episode number 668 on unlocking creativity and your personal genius. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Einstein said that creativity is intelligence having fun. I'm pumped about this one because I've had so many conversations on the podcast about creativity and how to tap into your personal creative genius. So I wanted to bring on wisdom from four incredible minds today, artists, filmmakers, authors, and journalists who give some of the best tips on creative thinking that I've heard. So we've got some clips featured from the podcast with Chase Jarvis, Casey Neistat, Manush Zomorati, and Liz Gilbert. I'm excited about this one. We'll have links on the show notes to each episode as well, so you can go listen to each full episode if you want to dive into more on one of these. But this is all about how to unlock creativity and your personal genius. Before we dive in, big shout out to the fan of the week. This is from Matt B., who said Lewis just absolutely crushes it. This podcast has everything. It's motivating and informative. His guests have outstanding knowledge, and you get to listen to real stuff that you can use to change your life right now. So Matt B., thank you so much for being the fan of the week. Big shout out to you. We've got over 3,200 five-star reviews now. If you want to leave a review, go head over to the podcast app and leave a review right now for your chance to be shouted out as a fan of the week. First of all, the things that made you weird as a kid, those perspectives that you were afraid of, uh-huh. like that actually makes you great. Going there is part of the, that's the sauce that people can connect with. And you being bulletproof and perfect and all these other things that we try and be, and obviously there's no chance at that, but we posture. And those are all the things that sort of alienate and disenfranchise mm-hmm. and create a division between you and your fans or followers and people who might love your work. So what made you weird and quirky? Those are your biggest strengths as, a, as, a, as an artist. So you said there are artists for whom insecurities drive success. Those are the artists that are willing and able to capture that and go there. And then there are artists who have the insecurities and the folks that when they stand off from those things, they are unable to connect with their audience. Mm. And I don't mean to say that some artists have it mastered and other artists are still on that journey. I mean to say even within one career, there are things where we are able to go there and tap into that that weirdness that we have as a kid or that unique perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are other times in the same life or same arc or maybe even the same album for a musician where you weren't right. able to really go there and you can tell it has, mm. it has this sort of veneer to it. So ultimately those things are so core to creativity. There's a designer a friend of mine named James Victoria, who I often quote, he says, in the particular lies the universal. So what is it about your particular situation right now that is a story that you could tell through a piece of art, through creating something that seems super, super focused and finite mm. and, and, and very you-centric. But ultimately, those are the things that there's millions of people who have experienced that in some way, yeah. shape, or form, and that allows the connection. So. Wow. So would you say that if you've achieved your success as an artist, you can, everything you touch turns into millions or impacts people, that in order to continue doing that and being successful as an artist 
and whatever success means to you that you need to still be insecure? Or can you be completely securing yourself? Nah, no one's, no one's, I mean, I know a lot of super, super famous people that are crazy insecure. Right. And I think there's the belief that you've achieved success and success is overnight. It's the classic tenure overnight success. I really don't know an artist who's ever made it in the classic sense, whatever it is, but I'll mm-hmm. just go the cliche made it right. where there wasn't 10 years hard work underneath that. I've often used the artist Macklemore. He's a friend, Seattle mm-hmm. guy. Yep. Um, he was living in his basement when he sort of got, sorry, living in his parents' basement early on in his career. He just got out of rehab, had been making music for 10 years before he was an overnight success. Right. He and Ryan Lewis got together, made an album, the album through singles and the album had, it was a 15X platinum album as their freshman album, the first wow. album ever. And the belief is that, oh, wow, that just happened. And, there's always all kinds of hard work that's happening underneath the surface that people don't look. It's sort of like a swan, right? It looks calm on top, but underneath you're kicking like hell. And even that sort of level, again, keep pulling on this Macklemore thread, his next album is very much about exploring the insecurities that he had at the Grammys, winning four Grammys your first year. Um, performing, you know, just, you know, artist of the year, album of the year, rap album of the year. Being friends with every big yeah, celebrity. Yeah. Uh, and overnight. still just like want to crawl out of your skin when you're, you know, alone with yourself. So there's this dichotomy and I don't think anyone's ever mastered. And if they have, uh, I just, I don't, mm. I, I don't know. I haven't experienced it myself. It's more like, right. It's like waves, like waves right. come and go and waves are different size and you catch some waves and you don't yeah, catch yeah. others. Sure. I'm really interested as a, in this sort of arc of my life and around exploring our shadow selves, uh-huh. uh, which is that side of us that we don't really want to look at or pay attention to, uh-huh. because it's like in there lies, I think, a lot of the answers to yep. what, we're, what right. we're dealing with right now. It's not just the numbers. It's the relationship that young people have with content that they see online that they choose to watch versus the content that they see on TV, which is fed to them. And that is sort of a profound idea that I didn't understand until my show on HBO. Uh It it was the kind of thing where it's like, how old are you? I'm 32. Okay, I'm 34. So when we were kids, like we watched however much Nickelodeon or MTV as we possibly watched. TRL? Yeah, before our parents yelled at us. But you have no control over that. You turn on the TV and you're at the behest of whatever whatever the channel is putting in Mm -hmm. front of you. And if you liked it, you kept watching. If you hated it, you kept watching. And that was it. That was your relationship. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to online content, like I look at the way my son consumes this stuff and it's like, if he's not interested, he doesn't watch it. He goes to the next video. There's a billion channels on YouTube. (laughs) And the inverse of that is if you do watch it, it's because you genuinely want to consume that stuff. Mm -hmm. So the relationship that the people who choose, who like take their precious time to watch my stuff online versus the people that maybe passively consumed it on TV, that relationship is so different and so huge that it makes... It makes it very hard for someone like me to be attracted at all to something like TV. Mm, man, that's fascinating. And, you know, I see you running around with all the big uh, YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat influencers, and you guys are constantly doing cross-promotion, and that's just building you even bigger than any TV show as well. When you get a group of you together shooting video, it's like no one can compete with that viewership. Yeah, and I also think it's like this is so new, this space, mm-hmm. and it's so undefined. Still. 
Oh, still of new. Not I even mean, you know. Five years ago, people feel like they're not in unless they were in five years ago. But you can still jump in today. It's, it's in its infancy. It's more competitive. It's much harder to get to 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 get anywhere in the space now. But it's so new that for me, what's most interesting about any overlap with other other big YouTubers or big people in the space is that like we need to share our experiences and share our understanding because it's such an undefined space yeah. that there's no other way to really learn about it um, than by being in it. Yeah. There's no, it can't be taught. YouTube doesn't know. They're building the best tools they can, but it's, they're just providing us the tools. It's up to us to build the house. Yeah. So being around other YouTubers, you know, like at VidCon, for example, where we first met, is it just a, a tremendous opportunity for me to really share my own understanding yeah. and then to learn from other people. And that's what's most exciting about, about the collaborations I do with other, other YouTubers. Sure. How long was that video shoot with Nike where you went around the world? How long did it take? We did that shoot. We said 10 days. It was actually nine days. And then there was a huge battle on Reddit because nobody believed that I did that in ten days. How many different countries? I, mean, I don't know the number, but it's a, it was absurd. You're flying everywhere. Yeah, and the reality of it was, it was like much less rom. Mm. It was incredible, but it was much less romantic you than it looked sleeping, in the sleeping. You were like, you know. We went the first five days without laying vertically. I'm sorry, without laying horizontally. <laughs> yeah. So that meant we were sitting in like, oh, you know. Trains and planes. Trains, planes, coach seats in the back piled in the middle. Oh. And these aren't coach seats on like British Airlines or something nice. This is like inter-African airlines from, that are just yes. like really punishing day in and day out. And most of the Loud. locales we were in, were in for an hour or two. Mm. Just um, shooting, and then it's on the that's next. That's exactly right. Let's get the shot, go. That's exactly right. Grab a bite to eat, see ya. Yeah, there was no sitting on that beach. We literally got the beach, <laughs> ran through it, and then got jumped on a plane Shut to Shut up. Yeah. Wow. What's the key to being successful on YouTube or creating content online right now? Is it having the nice, fancy camera? Is it the production value? Is it your you personality? Know, it, look, it, if, I could, if I could define what it took i think a lot more people would follow that trajectory because it's the greatest job in the world but so i don't know what's right but i can definitely tell you what what it's not Mm -hmm. and what it's not is having the best gear first of all um you know like the vlog that i posted this morning which is i posted like five hours ago and it's really um i'm looking at my cell phone right now to figure out to tell you guys exactly how many views it's done in the last couple of hours i don't know what i did how do is it on the ground? How do I lose a cell phone? Like I'm sitting in one spot here. It is. Um, but what the key is not is is the gear. And I think that's what's what's so limiting for people when they think I've got to have the right gear, the right. Yeah, mics, that's, that's right wrong. Like my HBO show was shot on a point and shoot that we bought at Walmart. Really? Um, but I mean, so much of my YouTube, one of my most watched videos on YouTube called um, Bike Lanes, which has over 15 million views, that was shot on the crappiest of point and shoot cameras. Really? Yeah, just so it, it's not. It's 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 what you do with the tools, not what the tools are themselves. Um, so I'm just looking at my, my stats right here. So my video that I posted this morning, so I posted it three hours and 58 minutes ago, and it has 140,000 views. On YouTube. Yeah, yeah. in the last three hours. It's amazing. Um, this video primarily was shot on my cell phone. Wow. Because iPhone 6. Because um, MTV didn't allow any cameras at the VMAs, but they did like allow cam- cell phones. So when I'm like standing there being like, you guys realize that every cell phone is a video camera built in and how ridiculously con- <laughs> so contrary. All this means is that there's going to be a million bad videos posted right. instead of a million videos. Regardless, like, you know, half that video was shot on my cell phone. Yeah. And it's just not. It's like if you can do great things with a terrible camera, you can do great things with a great yeah. camera. So I really like to drive home that point because my favorite aspect of, of creating online is how accessible, democratic, mm. egalitarian it is. 
like we all, you know, me selling a TV show for a couple million dollars to, to HBO, I believe that it was like primarily the merits of what we made. But I also know that we had Christine Vachon as our producer, who's tremendously influential. She's a mm. big time producer. She's the one who got us the meeting with Carolyn Strauss, the former head of programming at HBO. Right. They had a relationship. There's nepotism involved. There are big Hollywood producers and agents and facilitators involved. And your average kid sitting in Ohio right now in front of his computer doesn't have that kind of access. No. What he has is an internet connection and a crappy camera from Walmart. That's it. And that should be enough. And I think right now, because of technology, for the first time ever, that is enough. Our country right now is facing economic disparity, racial division, environmental problems. These are not easy fixes. So, like, updating your, you know, feeds constantly isn't going to solve the problem. It makes me say that, like, collectively, I think what we need to do is rethink how we are using technology right now, making sure that when we do pick it up, it's not because it's a physical reflex, but because it's improving our lives, turning them back into the tools that they are meant to be as, as opposed to the taskmasters yeah. that they have really become because God, do we have some problems we need to solve? And boy, do we need some original thinking to solve it. Mm -hmm. There was a, a survey of 1,500 CEOs that IBM did, and they asked them, what is the number one leadership competency that you are looking for in your executives and workers? And it was creativity. I mean, I think that that makes sense. We The robots are going to be able to do all the other jobs, but mm. they can't be creative. That is Critical where- Critical thinking, yeah. Precisely. Mm. Wow. And so how is your daily practice now with- this. How do you do it with two kids on the road? Yeah. I mean, obviously it probably comes in phases where you're like, okay, it now it's good time. And you're, you know, I call it the playoffs where it's like, I'm in playoff mode yes. right now. I'm like gearing up for the playoffs and the championship. Yeah. And so it's like, you're not going to have much time to relax. Right. But how do you do this throughout the year? Do you take I'm breaks? I'm kinder to myself. I think I say to myself, like, it used to be that I was like, just push through, keep going. You got this. And I'm like, no, you don't got this. If you need to say to your husband, like, dude, I need two hours off tomorrow and I'm going to lie on the bed and stare at the wall. <laughs> Seriously, that is what I want to do with my time now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the dumbest little tweaks, I think, to your behavior that can make a difference. So for me, I used to think of my subway ride home as my chance to respond to all the emails that I didn't get to during the day, like perfect productive period. But then I realized like I would get home with my kids and it was like transitioning from being working quick person thinking to being like, thoughtful, present mother was like not. So now I couldn't do it. I was kind of like, let's get homework done. Come on, come on. Instead of like, all right, mommy, take a deep breath yeah. and like say hello. Yeah. So now I think of the subway ride home for me as like spacing out, mm. kind of like let's digest what happened during the day. Let's think about it. Let's like let your brain work at it a little bit. And then let's have that moment of transition into another part of your life where you, you know, you're not the same person at home as you are at work. I mean, I think, you know, Facebook wants you to be all the same person in all the places. And we're not. We have different roles that we play in all of these places. Yeah. And so for me, it's about giving myself that um, transition period. Like, like a warm up, I guess yeah. it would be um, yeah. in some ways. Or stretch, cool down. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's mm -hmm. right. And I, I find that when I do give myself that time, 
there's less waking up in the middle of the night thinking about something. You're, you know, that, that 4 a.m. like where you just wake up thinking about a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because for a lot of us, we don't give ourselves time during the day to actually process what has happened in our so lives. True. So true. Uh, you know, a lot of people who listen to my show are constantly asking, how do I find my vision and how do I find like my purpose? Yes. And how do I find these things? And I always tell people like, you need to go in nature without your device yeah. and just be. Yes. Like, have a peaceful warrior moment. I don't know if you read the book or watched the yeah, movie. Yeah, the yeah, peaceful warrior, yeah. yeah. And I so you just need to go and you know, like the guy just sits on a car for like a day or whatever, yeah. and just like starts I dreaming. Totally, you know I mean? I'm with you. Like you got to go into nature, allow your mind to relax. Don't just be like responsive, like you said to everything. Have you heard about this new? Like I don't think it's new, but like they call it uh, forest bathing. In in Japan, sounds amazing. What is it? <laughs> Literally, I think going, going into, into the, the forest, forest yeah. and letting it bathe you, uh, which brilliant. is so beautiful. But right? when is the last time someone did this? I like, know. when's the last time someone went camping? Right. You know, I'm. I love you know having a nice bed and, and things like that. But I will go to the ocean and just lay for like four or five hours and just let the sand heal my mind. You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah, just like totally. swim in the waves for thirty minutes and just goof off. Yeah. And for me, it feels so refreshing to just get away from something in Mother Nature and allow it to heal me. And I think people are looking for proof and permission that they should be doing that. Mm. So, so I you sh- have the science, right? You have exactly. the data. So tell me more exactly. about that. So this, the book is actually based on um, an experiment that I did with my listeners in 2015. So I had this sort of moment where I was like, oh, crap, I think that actually my gadgets are the problem. Mm. They've, they've helped me be a professional working mother but I think they also might be like destroying like my potential essentially. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I reached out to my audience and I was like, are you guys like feeling like maybe you want to rethink your habits here? Like, are you kind of feeling? And they were like, yes. So within 48 hours, um, 20,000 people signed up to do a week Holy. Of, ex- of like little every day we did a little behavior tweak. Kind of like the happiness project. Kind of like the but happiness for... project, but on a community scale. Oh, cool. And so the idea was that every day for one week, they woke up to a mini podcast that explained the science and some of the design behind the technology and why we feel like our attention is being hijacked from us. And then a little behavior t- tweak to try. And so I had these 20,000 people who then reported back with their data because we, uh, we uh, used, we, partnered with some apps that helped us measure how much time we were spending on our phones, how many times a day we were picking them up. And then I got all their stories back. And so, first of all, it was incredibly effective. That is what we heard from people. We heard from people who finished, finally finished their thesis or came up with a way to solve their startup problem idea that they Mm -hmm. were having or solve a conflict at work or even just like really small, minor things like how to help their kid make a friend or Mm. homework isn't working out. How are you going to do this? I've always had the great good fortune of knowing what I love mm-hmm. um, and I love writing and so my life has been really simple that's all I do yeah. that's kind of the definition of a passion right? nice. I know it makes your life really you knew easy. what you wanted I knew what I wanted I liked it I didn't really like you anything else magazines right yeah. wrote art short stories very books. clear it's yeah. like this is Movies. it here's the path yeah yeah Everything else can take a number, right? Like that's uh-huh. always been really obvious to me. And so it's also been very obvious to me to go around telling people, just do that. Like, you know, that <laughs> thing that you love more than anything, just do that, right? Right, mm-hmm. right? Like it just seemed like the easiest, it seems like good advice and right. even kind advice, right? And so 
after Eat, Pray, Love came out, I started kind of professionally saying that, going on stages and telling people, just find your passion, do your passion, blah, 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 passion, passion. And then one day I did an event in Australia. And when I got back, there was a long letter on my wall, on my mm-hmm. Facebook wall from a young woman who said, you know, I came, I came to your event looking for inspiration. And I have to tell you, I'm sitting alone in the dark in my room and I've never felt worse about myself than I feel right now mm-hmm. because all I've been doing is trying to figure out what that thing is that you're talking about. And I'm telling you, I don't have one in the way that you define it as that thing that makes you feel like your hair is on fire, that you would sacrifice anything for. And it's not for lack of looking and it's not for lack of people. And people like you are constantly saying to people like me Mm -hmm. that this is the answer. And I, and I just feel like a loser and a failure and that I'm interested in a lot of things, but nothing that I would die for, nothing that I would give my whole life for. So I know you didn't mean to, Mm -hmm. but you just made me feel like the biggest failure and loser in the world. And it was such a head turning thing for me, Lewis, because I was like, how many people have I done that to, you know? Mm. And I started thinking about all the people who I know and love and asking myself how many of them could truly say, as I can, that from the time they were like basically six, they had no question about what they were supposed to be doing with their lives. Zero, based statistically zero, maybe a couple, but very few. And everybody else I know, including people who I admire and who I go to when I'm broken down and I want advice. Like I, everyone else's path has looked like a path through a carnival fun house, you mm-hmm. know, like trick mirrors and trap doors right. and like, um, and, and trying this and it not quite working and trying that and doing this. And so I was realizing we preach this passion thing in an almost fundamentalist way. And I'm a jackhammer right. when I, there's something that I care about and want to do. Sure. I'm fully focused. But what if, what if everyone was? What a weird and boring world that would be. Right. And so I've now sort of distinguished my mind between what I call jackhammers and what I call hummingbirds. And the hummingbirds are people who cross-pollinate the world by just moving from field to field and pursuit and pursuit and taking ideas from one place and bringing them to another and mixing it up. And they're not as, they don't get as much attention and credit as jackhammers because mm. they're not as loud as us, Lewis. That's true. <laughs> Nothing louder than a jackhammer. That's true. Like once we get going, we sort of don't shut up, yeah. you know, and hummingbirds, <laughs> they're beautiful. And they're, and so it was just this idea. There's other ways to be. Yeah. You don't have to be the way that I fit in am. a box or fit in a one. Yeah. And don't thing, let, yeah. pa- if you don't look, if you have a passion, of course do it. If you don't happen to have one, don't worry about it. And maybe there's a gentler answer, which is follow your curiosity. <laughs> Um, which is a smaller impulse and a lighter one and a less high stakes one than passion. And you don't mortgage your whole house to go follow your curiosity. Right, you just right. try it for a weekend. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you like it. Maybe it's something. Maybe it's not. Maybe in the end you kind of embroider a very complex, beautiful patchwork life for yourself. Mm-hmm. And at the end of your life, maybe you're not at the top of the heap, but you're right. able to say, I did the most interesting thing a human being can do, which is to to follow the slight pollen trail of my inquisitiveness for the entirety of my life. And through that, I cross-pollinated the world and created a beautiful work of art of my own existence. That's yeah. not so bad, you know, but it doesn't get a lot of credit in a really competitive passion, sure. passion fetishizing society. I get it. If you have one, you'll know it, yeah. right? So you shouldn't, if you have one, you won't even be asking that because you're already doing it. Going for if it. you don't have one, Take the pressure of that word off your pl- – it's yeah. just such a pressure word and re- and re- just keep going back to the word curiosity mm-hmm. because you do have that. Yeah. And the thing about curiosity that I think is interesting is how underestimated it is because I think a lot of the times people are missing their their invitations 
there are all these invitations for transformation and for creativity. They're missing them because their eyes are in the wrong place. So their eyes are in the sky looking for the clouds to part. They're looking for Moses to come down with like, you know, tablets. They're mm-hmm. looking for the voice of God. They're looking for the big sign because mm-hmm. they think that that's how it comes. And in fact, it's your eyes have to be on the ground looking for the almost invisible trail of breadcrumbs. That's the path, right? And so the breadcrumbs are all around you and people aren't even, their focus isn't there. It's up in the heavens like, where's my sign? Where's my sign? And the other way that curiosity comes, I think, is that tiny little almost, almost imperceptible tap on the shoulder that asks you if you would please turn your head an eighth of an inch and look a little closer at this thing that you're barely interested in. Mm. Just have the most mild little touch of interest. And I feel like people are getting those touches all the time and they're brushing off their shoulders like, where's my sign? Why are they brushing it? Because they don't think it's it's significant because it doesn't seem big or important enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And as soon as that little tap comes, and if you even bother to turn your head an eighth of an inch and look at it more closely, in that moment, you're like, this isn't a thing. Yeah. This is nothing. This is like so small and so insignificant, but it is a thing. It's the first clue on the scavenger hunt. It's the first breadcrumb. And the, I think the foremost sort of shape of my entire creative journey has been about being really trusting of that. You know, like, I don't know why I'm interested in this. I don't even know what this means right now, but I'm going to trust that that's an invitation or the beginning of an invitation. Right. And, and then I'm going to look for the next tiny little tap and the next, you know, breadcrumb. And so it's not, my life hasn't been a series of thunderous epiphanies. It's been a, th- a series of tiny whispered invitations. Every single one of them that I've heard, I've said, okay. Let me check this out a little more. <laughs> All right, let's yeah. check it out. And sometimes it's nothing. Yeah. Sometimes it's not a thing, but it's never wasted. Yeah. So I think there's a wonderful thing I've said recently, like, don't ask for a sign and then ignore it when it comes, but I think people don't even know it is one because it doesn't look like the ones in the movies yeah. or the ones in the speeches the that people give. <laughs> yeah. You know, it doesn't, right. it doesn't, it doesn't have voice of God, but voice of God is sometimes like, Hey buddy, mm-hmm. psst. <laughs> right. just two inches to your left. Yeah. Um, just a little flutter in your yeah, heart or your stomach that's it. just a little bit. Yeah. I trust that with my life. Yeah. I've trusted my life with that feeling. There you have it, my friends. It's all about unlocking that inner childlike creativity. How can we continue to manifest our creativity, to to use it, to practice it, so we can have a richer, more fulfilling, meaningful life and allow it to play into our business, our careers, our, our family life, our personal life, our relationships. Creativity is really one of the cornerstones of fulfillment and feeling alive. That's why I love... These clips from Chase Jarvis, Casey Neistat, Manoush Zomorati, and Liz Gilbert. If you want to listen to more of those full episodes, you can go to the show notes at lewishouse.com slash 668. We'll have those linked up over there, so you can just click on them and go listen to the full episode of one of those. If you enjoyed this, share it with your friends, take a screenshot, and tag me on your Instagram story. I try to reply to as many people as possible over on Instagram. So just shoot me a tag. Send that out to your story. Tell people where they can go listen to this as well. And get them in the School of Greatness community. We are creating a movement together. Millions of people around the world are listening. And I want to continue to spread this far and wide so more people can unlock their inner 
greatness. I love you guys so very much. If you haven't left a review yet, go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, leave a review, share this with your friends, unlock your creativity and your personal genius. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Great.